Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, it's a pleasure to be here with our Catholic audience. You know, it's so wonderful to be able to share our faith, to be able to realize that we're a big family of Catholics, and, or I should say, we're a big Catholic family. You know, we <clears throat> we share the same thoughts. We think alike. Uh, we hope to think alike. We hope to really bring the faith into our hearts, into our minds, and have it be our unifying factor. Really, more than anything else, when we're going through the world, I think a lot of times we feel alone. We start to feel sad, and we start to feel like there's no hope for us. Who out there understands me? Who knows anything about me? You know, last week, if you were listening on the show, I talked a little bit about um, how to forgive ourselves. Well, one of the interesting things is, in order to forgive ourselves, we have to ask for forgiveness from God. We have to get to confession. But what is confession all about anyway? Let's talk about that a little bit, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions. It can be scary. It can be um, a lot of different emotions can be brought up when we say we got to go to confession. But really, more than anything else, if we understand the sacrament of confession, if we understand what it is that Christ is asking us to do, what we're what we're asking ourselves to do, and what we're asking of Christ, I think it can become one of the most beautiful moments in our lives, one of the most beautiful sacraments, and we will get to the point where we can't wait to go to our confession. All right, well, let's get started here at the top of the noon hour, as we always do, with the Angelus, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, it's an interesting conversation. Um, interesting topic, really, more than anything. Confession, it's not the funnest thing to talk about. It's not um, 
the topic of the day. We don't usually go around asking people, you know, I'll go around asking people, hey, you know, can you do me a favor? Can you pray for me? Because this is happening or, you know, you know, gosh, have you heard that they're going to have uh, a beautiful mass? Uh, well, actually, there's a, a beautiful Michael mass coming up at uh, uh, St. Michael's Abbey. Um, you know, have you heard that they're going to have this wonderful uh, celebration? There's going to be a great talk on something. But rarely, I think, do we ever ask people, hey, have you got a confession lately? You know, or, you know, by the way, oh, yeah, I need to get to confession. Sometimes we do in smaller circles when we're we're talking to each other in, in moments of uh, talking to a close friend or somebody we confide in. But it's not even something I hear from the pulpit anymore. You know, I don't really hear uh, priests talking about getting to the sacrament of confession or the importance of confession or the reality of confession. And I think it's one of these topics that we don't really like to talk about. We, When I see people in clinic and in therapy, and uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the equivalent of telling people to take their medication or to go to their therapy sessions. And, you know, people come to me in pain, obviously, because they're not feeling good. They're feeling depressed. They're feeling anxious. And they come to me because they want advice and, and they want to feel better. And sometimes I'll give them advice and, and that's not the advice that they had already imagined they wanted to hear. And I think sometimes confession or the idea of confession can be like that for us as well. You know, my patients come to me and they say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know that I want to take that medication or I don't know that I want to, uh, um, you know, go to that, do that therapy, or I don't know that I want to go talk to my brother about that, even though we're arguing and fighting. And I say, well, you know, you came to me for advice and you, you, uh, um, you say you want to get better and I'm letting you know, I can kind of clearly see how you're going to get better, but the advice is rejected because it's not, it's not what the person thinks they need for themselves. I do this. I'm sure I'm guilty of it all the time as well, you know, but one of the things to consider with confession, is kind of the same thing. I think that if we feel like our spiritual life is not in order, you know, we'll do so many different things to get it in order. And we'll run around and say, oh, I need to go do this prayer. Oh, I need to go uh, say this chaplet. Oh, I need to go do this novena. Oh, I need to go, um, you know, and uh, I got to go on a pilgrimage and I need to pray more. And I need to, you know, I'm going to pray five rosaries today. And little do we know, though, that, well, that's okay. And that's good. And it's important to pray. And it's important to keep up our devotions and uh, increase our faith and, and focus on the Lord. Uh, I think one of the things that we forget is, well, why don't we just take care of it? Why don't I just go to confession? Gosh, if I go to confession, what's going to happen? No, I don't know that. Yeah, I need to get to confession, but, you know, we'll run around and do everything else. And we might not make confession our priority um, the same way that we say, oh, yeah, no, I need to do a holy hour. But we don't get there. We don't go to do our holy hour um, because we're we're busy. We're busy people. Hey, there's no question about that. I got to get to the grocery store. I got to pick up my kids. I got to make sure I have time to spend to talk to my wife and whatnot. But what we really don't do is a whole lot of Catholic self-care. And really, that's what confession is really is. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You know, I use the word self-care. It's very trendy, um, especially in the in the therapy world and the mental health world. We're always telling people, oh, you got to do some more self-care. Oh, what about self-care? Well, what about Catholic self-care? You know, we don't stop and think about our spiritual self-care all the time. We think about wanting to heal. We think about not wanting to be in pain, but we don't think about hey, what can I do for myself to really do that self-care, to really um, take time away from my busy day or prioritize what it is that I need to do to 
truly heal as a Catholic. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Last week I said, you know, it's hard to forgive ourselves sometimes. We look at ourselves and we we just don't think that we are um, worthy. We don't think that we're we're good because in the eyes of God, we're, we're wretched creatures. And nothing but the opposite could be true. The reason I think that we see things that way is just like I was mentioning with my patients who can't see for themselves that path because the anxiety, the depression, the psychosis, the hallucinations, whatever it is that they're going through, uh, at times will blind them from the truth, will blind them from what's right in front of them. You know, the depression doesn't let them see that they are um, cared for by other people. It doesn't let them see that uh, other people want to spend time with them. Depression can be very, very debilitating if somebody is truly suffering from major depressive disorder. It can be so debilitating because all of a sudden there's this dark cloud. There's a grain of our lives. There's this darkness around us and we think that we're no good. People aren't going to love us. Um, you know, anything positive that's said to somebody who's depressed will be misinterpreted or immediately rejected. Uh, it, you know, the idea of living is so hard that depression can lead people to thoughts of suicide and wanting to end their life because there's just nothing good. Why? Because depression is clouding the intellect. It's clouding the mind. It's no different than somebody who is suffering from anxiety. If you're suffering from anxiety, you're so worried about things that people around you are like, wow, what's going on with you? That's not even the case. In life, things happen that we truly do have to be anxious about. You know, if I get into a car accident, I'm going to get anxious about that. If I get into, um, <clears throat> you know, an argument about uh, with my boss and you get to that, there's going to be some anxiety with that. There's definitely things that are anxiety provoking. But I'm talking about more anxiety when really nothing's happening, but we're worried that something's going to happen worried about the future, worried about something that's not even there yet. That can happen. Why? Because again, anxiety clouds the intellect. Well, what does that have to do with my confession, Dr. Sandoval? If I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling depressed, I should just go to my psychiatrist. I should go to my therapist, my doctor, and or talk to a friend or figure that out. Absolutely. But notice that I mentioned that these symptoms of anxiety and depression can cloud the intellect. But what else can cloud the intellect? Sin. St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that sin can cloud the intellect. So if we have fallen into sin, if we are habitually falling into the same sin, if we um, accept things and blow them off and say, oh, that's not a sin, but we, we really kind of in the back of our minds know that it is, or the Catholic Church has already established that it is, regardless of my opinion on it, and I continue to fall into these sins, then guess what? My spiritual intellect is clouded. I'm not going to see things for the way that they should be. I'm not going to understand things. I'm not going to, I'm going to go do so many different novenas and expect that God's going to take care of me in so many different ways. And I'm going to want immediate change in my life because I want to be uh, out of this spiritual pain, but I haven't gotten to the confession. I haven't gone to the confessional and I haven't acknowledged what my true sins are. That can be really, really hard. And confession can be scary. You know, it can be scary on multiple levels. Let's look at this. Why, why if I tell somebody, let's say we're in a social setting and I go somewhere and there's a family party or something, and I I really don't like telling people that I practice psychiatry. I really don't. It can be, it's uh it changes the whole mood. It actually you get there, you talk to people, you're you're having a great conversation, and all of a sudden you tell them, Oh yeah, I know I'm a psychiatrist, it changes everything. 
it, it changes the way people see you and it changes the whole conversation. You know, we're coming up on the break, so we're going to talk more about that. What happens when I do go to a party or when somebody finds out that I'm a psychiatrist? It's very, very interesting um, because all of a sudden people start thinking that I have special power. We're after the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, this show should be airing September 21st, Feast Day of St. Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, beautiful gospel, first one in the books of the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here's a great quote from the Bible, from the Gospel of St. Matthew, um, really in tune with our topic, going to confession. What does it mean? Why go to confession? Go and learn what this means, says Jesus. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And that is from Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. With the idea of confession, with the idea of being able to look at ourselves and tell God what our sins are, I think it's important to remember that that's what Jesus came for, that he's telling us, hey, I already know you're sinners. I already know that you are not perfect but let's come and talk about it so that we can get rid of that and you can have eternal life. I mean, that's the most beautiful part of confession. Well, before the break, we're just talking about how, you know, being a psychiatrist, being a therapist, trying to heal people, um, giving people advice on healing, but then not, uh, not having people heed that advice or thinking that my advice is just not complicated enough. It's not enough to, to heal their heavy, heavy burden um, can be a little frustrating. And I think that sometimes priests might feel that way. I think that if we read the Gospels, I'm sure probably my spiritual director feels that way about me when I say, no, 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 I don't know about, <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, um, I think I need something different. And he's like, no, you're, trust me, you just need to go do this. You just need to go to confession and then go do something or just go do a holy hour right now. Really a holy hour is going to fix everything. Yeah, but our level of faith when we are, in the midst of sin when we are in the midst of um being full of ourselves really you know, i should speak for myself being full of myself and saying no no i don't know that that's a sin it's um it can be a little bit challenging because my intellect is clouded i cannot see clearly at that point so before the break i was talking about what happens when i go to a party a social gathering and people find out hey this guy is a uh, psychiatrist, you know, you know, you're talking, you're saying, Hey, how you doing? Oh, what have you been up to? You know, most people, uh, at least in our culture here in the United States, not in other countries, we're so used to meeting people and saying, Hey, how you doing? What do you do? Right? We, we ask people what they do. Uh, I don't think that we're trying to be rude. I think it's just part of our culture. And we try to um, find out what people do to really more than anything else to find out what their interests are, I think. Um, to see what kind of work they do and, and see what we might have in common and what we can talk about uh, in conversation. I don't want to bore somebody. You know, if I find out somebody's a mechanic, maybe I have a question for them about cars or, you know, I think we're trying to find a common ground. Other countries, nobody asks you what you do because they don't want to equate your worth with your uh, career or your job. Interesting thing about um, parties, though, is when people ask me what I do, I usually don't like to let them know that I'm a doctor or a psychiatrist in particular. Um, more because the whole conversation changes people. The first question is, oh my gosh, are you analyzing me right now? 
my response to that is, well, I'm not getting paid. So no, I'm not analyzing you right now. People automatically think that I've got this magic power that I can read them, that I can see their deepest, darkest secrets, that I can try to analyze their mind and see their weaknesses. Like I've got Jedi mind tricks or something. And that's not the reality at all. Honestly speaking, as psychiatrists who walk around and yeah, maybe I can meet people and, and I, and I can glean something about them um, differently than other people might. Uh, but it's no different than anybody else. I mean, when you meet people, I'm sure that you meet them and you say, oh, they're a nice person, not a nice person. You know, they seem to be a little bit anxious. No, they seem to be. Yeah, I mean, you can see that. I'm not there analyzing everybody. I don't know anything about people. And the conversation can shift. I have had people walk away because, and that just tells me that they were really worried that I'd find something out about them. Um, or people walk away because they say that they really don't like mental health workers or, you know, different people's experiences with it. Um, but it's an interesting reaction. It's an interesting reaction, I think, because people are afraid that I can see something about them that you don't want known. Maybe something dark, maybe something, maybe, you know, at some point, I think that we all feel that we are awkward or we feel we can feel insecure about our emotions, our intellect, and we're afraid really to be vulnerable with other people because, more than anything else, we're afraid that we're going to be rejected. We're going to be outcast. We're going to be made fun of. We're going to be the weird one. We're going to be the one who's picked on. Um, and I think sometimes that can happen to us when we're ready to approach the sacrament of confession. Gosh, I'm not ready to show God my vulnerabilities. I'm not ready to show him my weaknesses. I don't want him to see how broken I am. I think that that's a very human thought. I mean, it's so common, so normal to think, if I go to confession, God's going to reject me. He's not going to want me as his friend. I mean, if he knew who I really was, you know, we go through life putting on a front for people. But this is what I love about this quote from St. Matthew, because all of a sudden, what is Jesus really telling us? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Here's what I find interesting about the sacrament of confession. If you're talking to me at a party or you're talking to any mental health worker at a party, they can't read your mind. All they can do is glean whether, you know, you're smiling, you're having a good time, you're relaxed. Great. They're not going to figure anything out. I'm not going to figure anything out. You start getting worried, you start running away. And I'm going to be like, hmm, something's up with this person. But the reality about confession is Jesus already knows that I'm a loser or that I'm, you know, a geek or that I'm a nerd or whatever it is that's going on inside of me. Jesus already knows I'm not perfect. He already knows my sins. He already knows my weirdnesses. And yet I approach the sacrament of confession as if, if I don't say the sin, then it kind of didn't happen or Jesus won't know. Because I forget that I'm I'm really not confessing to the priest. Yes, the priest is there and the priest was given the power to forgive my sins, but I'm confessing to Christ. Sometimes I think, I don't want the priest to know this or the priest to know that. The priest in my mind should really be invisible other than he's going to have the power of absolution. I'm really there to talk to Christ and Christ already knows what my sins are. I think sometimes we think that the sacrament of confession is telling our sins. And I... And yes, that's what we do with the sacrament. I think it goes beyond that, though. I think we need to look at the sacrament of confession as, I'm going to go talk to Christ. Christ already knows my sins. Really, the sacrament of confession is, how do I feel about these sins? How do I feel about the things I've done? Do I recognize that the things I've done have kept me from Christ? And now i got to go talk to Christ and say, hey, you know what, Jesus? Yeah, all these things, they've been keeping me from you. You already know what they are. You already know what I've done. It's a it's a really a question of, do I recognize that my faults, my my insecurities, my the ugliness in me is keeping me from you? Well, I mean, Jesus, that if I can come to you and acknowledge that, then all of a sudden I can have a new life with you. If I can just come to confession and acknowledge to Christ, look, Jesus, the, I did this, 
And maybe I wanted to at the time. Maybe I didn't want to at the time. Maybe I've really been struggling with this. I want to be your friend, but I don't know how to stop doing this. I really want you in my life. I want I want to follow you. I want to think, figure out what your mission is for me. But I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to let go of this. I don't know how to let go of these things. And I just want to have an honest conversation with Christ. More than anything else, that's what confession is. It's an honest conversation with Christ about this is where I'm at. And this is what's keeping me from you. The hard part is that if I keep something away from Christ, he already, now he already knows. Now, if you're at a party with Christ and you're like, hey, you're Jesus. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You really do know about me. There's no, no hiding there. You can see me. You, you don't need Jedi mind tricks. You, you are it. You know what's going on. So if I'm coming to co the confessional and I'm going to pretend to hide a sin, that's not even, this is why it's not a valid confession because you're talking to somebody who already knows. You know, Jesus already sees what's in your hands. He already, you're, if, we, if I put all my sins in my hand and I go to the confessional, Jesus already sees them. And if I pick one out and I throw it, put it aside, he's watching me do that. He's watching me say, no, this one I'm not going to talk about. He's going to be like, well, do you really want to be my friend? We got to talk about everything. Put the cards on the table. Why? Because if we look at the crucifix, Jesus didn't hide anything. He put all his cards on the table. You know, we look at the crucifix and there's there's nothing hidden there. It's nothing but a man on a cross bleeding to death for me, for me, for you, for each one of us. When I get to the sacrament of confession, it's really a conversation of Jesus, do I want to be with you or not? And Jesus, this is what's keeping me from being with you. And Jesus is saying, okay, well, I really want to be your friend. I really, not only do I want to be your friend, I want to be your brother. I want to be your family. I want to be that one person in your life who you can count on for everything, who actually is going to take everything for you in fact you don't have to take care of anything yourself things will just fall into place but you're not ready for that you're not ready to be taken care of that way you still want to hold on to everything you want to do things on your own that's what christ is telling us because that's how i feel sometimes that's i mean i feel sometimes like gosh we can't get to the sacrament of confession until i'm in a good place in fact i have to have healed already i have to be in a good place i have to be perfect I have to be so holy so I can get to confession and my sins be forgiven. And then that's it. And then I can present myself before Christ and not be embarrassed. And Jesus is saying, but I already know where you're at. I already see all these things that embarrass you. I need you to come and have that conversation because you're trying to get rid of these things on your own. And it doesn't work that way. You're not going to be able to. The reason I died on the cross is because you can't get rid of these things on your own. That's the beauty of confession. This is where Jesus says, I came for sinners. He's saying, come to confession. I will take care of you. Come to confession. And all these things that you're trying to take care of yourself, no, if we can do them together, my yoke is light. That's what Christ says. My yoke is light. Don't try to do it on your own. So if we look at another passage from the Gospel of Matthew, he says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark say in the light and what you hear whispered proclaim on the housetops that's matthew chapter 10 verse 26 through 27 again i like these passages from the gospel of matthew since it is his feast day um again jesus is telling us i already know everything nothing's covered you think you're hiding it you know in the material world we, we're good at hiding things in the spiritual world nothing will be hidden everything will be known everything will be brought to the light because christ is light it's funny that when we go to the confession or the confessional, I should say, in particular, depending on which church you go to, if you still go to the old school churches, which I think are beautiful, the confessionals are dark rooms, at least where I grew up, it was a room, you go and you kneel, and it's a very dark room, and you're supposed to tell your priest 
your sins. The interesting thing about that is I have to go into a dark room to bring my sins to the light. It was it was such an interesting uh, um, paradox. It, it was like ironic. You know, I bring all this darkness into the light. But why is that? Because the light cannot be overcome by darkness. You know, and the darkness, I think that it represents the fact that a few things. I'm going to bring this to the light and all my sins will be washed away. But I think that it's actually kind of beautiful to tell my sins in the dark because Jesus is saying they never existed. You know, in the dark, you don't see. If I truly confess my sins, if I truly uh, am repentant of them and I bring them to Christ, Christ is going to say, well, that never happened. There's a wonderful story that's told in Deliverance Circles about a man who was a great sinner. And, um, or actually, let me back up a little bit. That's a different story. This is a story about a man who uh, believed that Jesus was appearing to him. And Jesus was telling him, hey, I need you to pray like this. I need you to do this. And he really believed that Jesus was appearing to him. And so he went to his local bishop and he told him, hey, um, I've been seeing Jesus. I'm, I'm feeling kind of weird about telling you this, but I'm not really going crazy or anything like that. But I've been seeing Jesus. He's been talking to me. He's been telling me, pray. He's been telling me to do this and that. And the bishop was like, you got to be nuts. What are you talking about? No way. And he says, no, yeah, he, he has. And so the bishop to test him because he said, how do you know it's not the devil that's appearing to you? That's a great question. How do you know it's not the devil that's appearing to you? And Jesus tell, and the bishop tells him, well, do me a favor. Go talk to Jesus. And here's the test. Here's the test that you're going to do so that you know that it truly is Christ. Okay. I need you to ask him a question. Well, we're coming up on the break, folks. When we come back from the break... I'm going to let you know what this question is that the bishop told this man he had to go talk to Christ about. And that way he was going to know if it was the true Christ or not. It's a beautiful story, really. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure that you stick with us, and we're going to talk more about this after the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about confession. What does it mean? How should we view it more than anything else? And really, <clears throat> at the end of the day, why can it be such a struggle? Why can it be so hard for us? Today's feast day of St. Matthew, so I've been taking some quotes that will help us in our journey to help us understand the sacrament of confession uh, and really the mind of Christ. You know, as a psychiatrist, I sit there and do I try to analyze Christ? Do I try to analyze God? Yeah, all the time. I think we all do, right? Because what's God thinking? What, how does God view me? Uh, what? Why hasn't God smote us or why hasn't God gotten rid of us already? Uh, since we are such horrible sinners. Well, the reason, folks, is because his mercy is that much greater. Um, <clears throat> you know, the idea of Jesus uh, and God being all-powerful can be daunting, um, but we forget who he really is. He came to show us who he really is. The last quote that I read from the Gospel of Matthew that reminds us of who he is and that he is all merciful, said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That was Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Well, gosh, then does God see us all as just sinners? No, if we keep going on in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, uh, Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
you know, when Jesus says he came for sinners, it's because I think he wants us as sinners to see who we really are. Remember at the beginning of the show, I said, when we sin, our intellect is dulled. Our spiritual intellect is dulled. Our material intellect is dulled. We're not going to be thinking clearly. We need to take us, we need to stop right there and realize that. It's kind of like imagine going to the hospital and visiting somebody and they're under, say, heavy anesthesia or they're under, uh, they've been taking heavy medication or they're really sick with a high, high fever. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody who has a very high fever and has an infection, but they can have delusions. You know, they, they might not be doing well. We call that delirium where a person is so sick that they're not thinking clearly. And in fact, in the world of psychiatry, we that's one of the things that we evaluate first. We go to see somebody and we say, hey, how's their medical history, their medical background? Because we need to make sure that they are not uh, uh, suffering from a medical illness that could be impeding their thought process. That can happen. Well, sin impedes our thought process. It doesn't let us see who we are. And Jesus is reminding us. This is why we got to read the Gospels, because we don't see ourselves. We don't see who we are. This is when we go to confession and I lay out all the cards on the table there for Christ. Christ is like, I really don't, you got to understand, I need you to do this for yourself so that we can get rid of all this. The reason that we need to say what our sins are is so that Jesus knows that we know that we recognize them. He already knows what they are. The question is, can we recognize them? Can, have we been working towards recognizing what our sins are so that we can get rid of them, so that I can say, yeah, that's what I don't want to do anymore. And I don't. I need to recognize that this is going to keep me from my relationship with Christ. That's really what confession is. It's a recognition that Christ is right, I'm not, and this is why. Because all these things that I've done, Jesus said were, were not good. I've done them anyway. And now I recognize that, no, Jesus, what you're saying is right. That's what confession is. Hey, I'm coming here because you know what? You're right, God. And in fact, that's when Jesus is going to say, well, now I need you to see who you really are. You think that you're wretched, but you're not. The sins are wretched. The things you're doing are wretched. But look, let's look at who you are. Let's read that again, because this is who we are. Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're what makes this world beautiful. You're what brings light to this world. But you're going to be dulled. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You're so beautiful that you are the light of the world, and I'm going to set you on a hill. I want everybody to see who you are. I want, I want you to be recognized. I think that's one of those things, too, that sometimes we feel... We go through life and we feel that nobody notices us. We're not noticed. We're alone in our own little in our own little shells. You know, we talked about that last week where we said, can I forgive myself? If I can't forgive myself, I'm in my own little shell. Nobody, I don't want people to recognize me because they're going to think I'm ugly. But Jesus is going to Jesus is telling us the truth is you're not. What you've done makes you feel that you are. What you've done makes you feel that you're headed in that direction. But there's hope. There's hope because Christ sees us as the light of the world. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. Jesus is saying, I need you to see who you are, to see that you're the light of the world, and to show that to everybody else so that they can also recognize who they are, so that those people who are dulled in their intellect because of sin might recognize that, hey, Jesus loves me. You know, when we make it about ourselves, that's when it's that's when it's ugly. I can't do things for myself. I can't do something beautiful for myself, but I can do it for God. I can do it for other people. If all I do is focus on me, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be a pretty heavy fall. It's going to be a pretty blow, big blow to the ego. It says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Again, notice that let your light shine before others. Remember Christ wants to put us on a hill so that others can recognize the light that is in us, but why? 
so that you can be praised, so that I can be praised. No, it's so that we can see the good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Again, that was Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. That's really what the, uh, the sacrament of confession is all about. It's not about me. It's about Christ and it's about God's glory. It's about if I do these things that are sinful, it takes away from God's glory. And that's the problem. If I'm going to go to confession, we really always make it about ourselves. Oh, look how bad I am. Look what the sins I've committed. Really, when we're standing in that confessional line, <clears throat> I should be there and recognize, wow, I'm here so that God can have more glory. And I've been taken away from it from with my sins. I need to confess these sins so that I'm not blocking God's glory from everybody else. It's an interesting dynamic. You know, we, we make confession about ourselves. Um, and we stand in that confessional line. And it can be hard because, gosh, you know, sometimes we're so good at standing in the confessional line and saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of my sins. Sometimes we sit there and think about which ones am I going to, which cards am I going to play today and which ones I'm not, like we were saying before. Gosh, do I say all these things? Oh, I can't say that one. Well, why not? You know, you're in the confessional line at that point. What do you got to lose? Oh, I'm going to be so humiliated. I'm going to be... Yeah, for the moment, you're going to walk out and who's going to remember? Nobody's going to know what you said in there or not, except you and Jesus. This is where we can have that honest conversation or not with Jesus. But what happens in the confessional line? That's the best place. That's where, what should we be doing in the confessional line really more than anything else? Ideally, here's the ideal. It doesn't always happen. I'm not always good at this. Sometimes I get to the confessional line and be like, oh yeah, wait, let's see, what are my sins? I just know I needed to get to confession. But ideally, what should we have done? We should have prayed beforehand, we should have done an examination of conscience, meaning what's bugging me? What's bugging me in my soul? What's keeping me from making a good confession? What is, um, you know, or what what have I done that's truly, truly simple? So if I'm saying that confessional line, I should really be focused already on, this is what I'm going to tell the priest. I'm going to tell him all my sins. And I'm going to make sure that uh, uh, I come clean with everything. But a lot of times we're really good at standing there and going, Oh my gosh, look at that person. Did that guy really show up in shorts and flip-flops in a church? That's not respectful. Boy, I, he must be a bigger sinner than me. At least I didn't do that. At least I put on some pants, you know. Or we see somebody and it's like, oh, they're on their phone. Oh my gosh, what are they doing? They're on their phone. Well, there's a great reading from uh, a great passage from Matthew chapter 17, excuse me, chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. two Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I don't know what's going on in everybody's life, and it's not for me to know either. It's not for me to know what other people's sins are. In fact, I don't even want to know what other people's sins are. I've got enough issues with my own sins, but we're very good at that. Why? Because I want to make excuses for myself. I want to be able to say, well, I'm not as bad as other people, so on the day of judgment, <laughs> good luck to that guy. How am I going to know? <clears throat> I don't know what burdens he carries. I don't know what his sins are. I don't know what's what's uh, hard for him in his life or not. I don't know what level of temptation he has in his life. I don't know what demons or how many demons are bothering him. For all I know, I could have like the weakest of the demons bothering me and I feel like I'm dying already. And he could have, you know, the biggest demons in hell bothering him and he's doing a much better job at struggling with that than I am. I don't know that. So <clears throat> that's one of the hardest things being in the confessional line to say, you know, do I judge myself by other, by how other people are? Not really. Jesus is telling us, don't judge anybody. Judge that you're not being judged. And whatever judgment you pronounce, that's how you're going to be judged. If I give everybody else a pass and say, you know what? I forgive everything. 
God's going to do the same for me. Now, before the break, I was uh, talking about this beautiful, beautiful story of a man who felt that Christ was appearing to him. And he went to his local bishop and he told him, hey, um, I believe Christ is appearing to me. And the bishop told him, okay, well, if Christ is appearing to you, then let's see. I've got to, you got to ask him a question. Okay. And based on what he tells you, and I'll really know if it was Christ who was appearing to you. And so he says, I want you to go back. And next time Christ appears to you, you ask him, this is the bishop telling this man, ask him what my last confessed mortal sin was. Just ask him that. <clears throat> and so the man went and he you know, went home and he said, okay, well, Jesus appears to me again. That's what I'm going to ask him. And so he went and Jesus appeared to him and he asked Jesus the question. He said, well, the bishop wants, wants me to ask you for you to tell me, Christ, tell me, Christ, what was the bishop's last confessed mortal sin? So that he had a conversation with Christ and the man went back to the bishop and says, okay, bishop, I asked him, uh, Jesus appeared to me again and I asked him and he says, uh, and I said, hey, what was the bishop's last confessed mortal sin? And the bishop said, okay, well, what did Christ tell you? What did he tell you? And he said, he says he doesn't remember. He says he doesn't know. He says it doesn't exist. And the bishop thought, okay, this probably could be Christ uh, who is appearing to you. Why? We would think that, well, Jesus knows all of our sins, right? Jesus knows. Why wouldn't Jesus know? I mean, Jesus would tell him if, if that's what the bishop wanted to know. If he really wanted the uh, this gentleman to know what his sin was, and he didn't care if Jesus told him. I'd say, okay, go for it. You know, tell him, have, tell him to have him tell you. Even it's my my deepest darkest secret, one of my mortal sins. Tell him, tell him to tell you. But the reality is, Jesus said, you know, I don't know. It doesn't exist. And the bishop said, that's pretty authentic. You know, if it were the devil who was appearing, he'd be more than happy more than happy to tell us what our sins are because he's the accuser that's the only thing he has to use against us he, you know we think that the devil's so scary what's scary is having sin why i'm gonna explain why when we come back from the break we're coming up on the break but we really have to understand in the world of deliverance you know a lot of people want to hear about the devil the truth is what we really want to hear about is what is the consequence of sin on your soul and what does confession really do for our sin? You know, in that story, we glean what confession does for us. When we come back from the break, we're going to break it down a little bit more. And we're going to talk about getting to confession. All right, folks, welcome back to Very Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about confession. But more than anything else, we're talking about, or I'm talking about for myself, how do I get over myself? How do I get over myself spiritually and realize that my sins are really nothing and what they really are is just a barrier for me to get closer to Christ? That's what really it comes down to for me to have true glory with Christ, to share in Christ's divinity. I think we don't get that because this is where sin dulls our intellect. We start to think about, um, you know, I'm not that good. I'm not good enough. I look at all my sins and we focus on the sins and we focus on the sins and we forget that that has nothing to do with God's mercy. Before the break, we were talking about, you know, this bishop who sent a man to, uh, or a man who went to told the bishop that he thought he was seeing Christ. And the bishop told him, well, ask Christ what my last mortal sin was, my last confessed mortal sin. And the response was from Christ, I have no idea. I have no idea what your last mortal sin was because it doesn't exist anymore. What does confession really do? If we understood that, we wouldn't want to hide any of our cards. What you're telling me is that, Jesus, what you're telling me is that if I go to confession and I confess all my sins, no matter how humiliating they are, no matter how heavy they are, 
As soon as I confess them, they cease to exist. In the spiritual world, obviously, you know, there is temporal punishment for which we can do perpetual indulgences and we can, you know, do different prayers and hopefully allevi alleviate some of that. But there are some uh, physical consequences to our sins. If I stole something in order for me to repair that, I usually have to give it back, right? I need to make up for my sin. I need to get rid of whatever is still lingering there. However, in the spiritual world, once I confess a sin and once I make up for it, it ceases to exist. So if the priest tells me, hey, you got to go, you know, pray three Hail Marys. So as soon as I pray three Hail Marys, you're trying to tell me that that's my penance and my sin ceases to exist. Now, some people blow that off. Why? Why do we blow off saying three Hail Marys? Really? That's it. That's all I got to do. And all my, I just told you some pretty heavy stuff and you're trying to tell me that three Hail Marys is going to get rid of that. Just three little simple old lady prayers or, you know, little these little prayers of, of hail mary that's going to get rid of my sins well who's who's that talking that's the devil talking more than anything else what happens in the confessional line let's walk through it a little bit we get to the confessional line who's standing in the confessional line all the people who want to do a confession who else is standing in the confessional line your guardian angel telling you hey get things right with christ and who else is standing in the confessional line the devil standing there telling you you can't confess that sin you know how humiliating that is do you know how bad you are do you know, oh man, you're going to be the laughing stock. You're going to, and those are all the lies that we're going to hear. Gosh, I feel so bad about that. I don't know. How should I confess? How to, and your guardian angel is saying, just spill it. Just say it. It's not that big a deal. You, what I'm trying to get you to is heaven. Something so much bigger than these things. These sins are going to go away. And the devil is telling you, hold on to these sins. Hold on to that one. Don't let that one go. Keep that one in your heart. Why? Because as soon as you go to confession, and if you have a sin that you know of, and you're going to go, let's say that you have two sins that you need to confess really badly. And you only really want to confess one of them because the other one's so humiliating. You go into the confessional and you only confess one sin of the two that you had. How many sins do you walk out with? You're actually going to walk out with three sins. You didn't, you didn't unload that one sin. It doesn't count. That confession didn't count. And now you have the sin that you didn't confess. The sin. That's a sin too, because now you're lying. You're going to the confessional and you're telling a lie. You're trying to say, no, that's not really a sin. Well, the reality is, what's the flip side of that coin? If I go to confession with those two sins and I confess them and I humble myself to experience some humiliation, to experience the guilt of my sins and tell the priest, as soon as the priest absolves my sins and I go do my penance, they cease to exist. Those three Hail Marys are powerful. We never give prayer enough credit. We always think prayer is just some word, something I got to do. You know, we think prayer is a last minute supplication. Oh, God, please help me. Please, 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 please. And we don't realize that when we're praying, we're actually growing. We're getting stronger. It's an exercise. It's something that we're doing for the soul. And it's actually getting stronger. So you're trying to tell me, Dr. Sandoval, that our sins can actually be completely annihilated as if they were never there and they we're not going to be held accountable for them. Yeah, technically speaking, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jesus is going to be able to tell us what the consequences of sins are, things like that. However, it's going to be as if we never sinned, as, as we're a new person, as, as you're given a new life. That's really what heaven is. How is that possible? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 26. It's this simple. It's this simple. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. That's really what it comes down to. It's not going to be possible for me to do. It's not going to be possible. We don't understand that in 
<clears throat> the uh, eyes of the world because we keep records of everything. You go to the doctor, I got your medical records. You go to, uh, if somebody's been through the prison system, a lot of my patients have been through the prison system, actually all my patients, we, we keep record of all their sins, shall we say, all their, everything they've been uh, charged with. So, you know, we're so good at keeping records and we don't understand that heaven is a place where they don't keep records. Confession is a place where it's the shredder, it's the, it's the fire pit for our records, saying, hey, let's get rid of these things. Yeah, they didn't exist, that never happened. You're a brand new person. Every time we go to confession, we have a brand new chance of having that relationship with Christ. So long as we choose to unload all of our sins, no matter how humiliating they are. It's but a quick moment, and we walk out, everything stays back there. Who's going to know? Who's going to know the difference? Oh, the priest is going to get mad. The priest can get as mad as he wants. All I want from the priest is that absolution. Because hopefully by the time I come to confession, my heart is already for Christ. My heart is contrite. And I can say, hey, I want that new life with Christ. We were talking last week about, you know, when Jesus uh, asked Peter to get the fish from, you know, if Peter had been fishing all night, asked him to throw the nets over because there had been no catches. And Jesus tells him, go do it again, throw it on the right side of the boat or wherever. And all of a sudden, St. Peter recognizes Christ, and Christ tells him, uh, or actually St. Peter sees that this is Christ's first encounter, and says, wow, who is this person? He says, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. That's kind of how we feel in the confessional line, right? We're going to the confession, and we're saying, oh, God, you don't want anything to do with me because I am so sinful. I am so bad. You don't want anything to do with me. And that's how we feel. But what does Christ say? He says, don't be afraid. So in the confessional line, the first thing he's telling us is, get rid of that fear. And then he says, now I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come follow me. Come do a mission. That's what the confession really is. It's saying, I'm going to get rid of this fear. I'm going to tell Christ what my sins are. And he says, <clears throat> come follow me. I want to follow you, Christ. Confession is really saying, I don't want to do it my way anymore because I'm tired. I'm tired. This is tiring. It's tiring to sin. It's tiring to be in that place where I'm constantly sinning, constantly trying to get back on my feet. And what does Christ tell us? Well, let's look at Matthew again. This is, you know, today is the feast day of St. Matthew. St. Matthew's giving us some good stuff. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what confession is. It's saying, you know what? I'm tired of doing it my way. Here are all my sins. I really don't care anymore what anybody thinks of them. I don't care what the priest thinks of them. He can get mad at me, but I'm at the point now in my life where I feel like, gosh, doesn't matter. I just want to be with Christ, whatever it takes. Christ, if that's a sin and that's keeping me from you, I want to get rid of it. Christ, if this is going to offend you, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't know how to do it, so I'm coming to you for help. I want your help, but I need to follow you. Well, how do I do that? I need to follow you and I, and I want you to be in my life. What, what do I do, Jesus? What's Jesus going to tell us? He's going to say, is he going to tell us, well, look at these sins. We got to really take it. No, he never does that. Notice in that confessional, and there's never this idea of wow, you got to do, you got to really go do a whole lot of penance for this. No, usually you get prayers. Even if the priest were to tell me, you got to pray a whole rosary. So what, 15 minutes isn't worth my eternal salvation? A whole rosary? Yeah, I'll take a whole rosary, 15, 20 minutes. And you're telling me that all this is going to go away? You know, when I think of my patients or anybody who's gone through the, the judicial system, anybody who's gone to the courthouse, imagine if somebody were the worst of the worst of criminals. And he's so repentant of what he's done that the judge tells him, hey, you know what? You want all this to go away. You don't want to go to prison for life. You don't want to get the electric chair. You don't want to get all these punishments. Will you pray a rosary and all that will go away? 
I think within before the sentence is even done, that criminal would be like, absolutely. You're trying to tell me all I need to do is pray a rosary, and I'm not going to get any of the, of the punishments that I'm deserving of. How is that possible? And then the judge is going to turn and say, "Well, because Jesus died on the cross, and because he did that, he took on your your sentence already. He took on that life in prison for you, with the deepest, darkest criminals down there, with those demons down there. Jesus took on that for you, and so he's sitting here in front of the judge. What I'm telling you is, if you go pray a rosary, Jesus says he's got you already, and then all that goes away, and you can go home." How many of us would jump at that? That's really what's happening in the confessional. What's happening in the confessional is because of my sins, I deserve eternal hell. There's no question about it. But if I get there and I go before the judge and I say, look, I'm really, really sorry. These are all my sins. All I want to do is follow Christ. I want to follow that cross. I want to, I want to be with Christ. He says, yeah, okay. You don't have to go to hell anymore. We don't think about that. You know, if we thought about it that way in the confessional, I'd be like, I want to tell all my sins. In fact, I want to get into the deepest, darkest nooks and crannies of my conscience during my examination of conscience and get rid of everything. You're trying to tell me that this is something where if a judge were to tell me one time only, give me all your sins, you don't have to go to to uh, life in prison. I'll take it. Well, this is not just one time only. This is any time we go to confession and confession is happening all the time. We just kind of blow it off. You know, you stand before the judge, what's it going to take if you you had a bad night, you were drunk and you were driving and you crash into homes and God forbid you even killed people or something. And you deserve really the worst of the worst of sentences. But the judge says, hey, as long as you pray a rosary, you can go home because I can see that you really didn't mean this. You didn't know what you were doing. You were not in the right frame of mind. Now you see the light and you're going to change your life, but you really need to do a rosary. Otherwise you get life in prison. I'll take the rosary any day of the week. And that's really what confession is. It's let's get rid of all these sins. Now, don't get me wrong, you're going to pray the rosary and you got to go fix some houses afterwards that you crashed into, or you got to go apologize to people and you got to do a few things. But that's all you got to do. You don't have to, you know, go to prison for it. You just got to do some penance. Yeah, the rest of my life, I'll, yeah, to avoid that sentence, absolutely I'll do that. Well, Jesus, what do I got to do? When I go to the confessional, tell me, Christ, what do I need to do? And he's probably going to say something like Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. He's going to say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So you're trying to tell me now, Christ, that my sentence is to love God. Yeah, more than anything else. To say a few prayers, to love God. And when you love God, you will be able to see that you're going to do good for other people. And that's what I need you to do for me. I need you to be that light. And this is what Jesus, and how do I do that, Jesus? Well, he's probably going to say Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. He's going to say, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Do you believe me? Do you have faith in me? That's really what it comes down to. You know, Christ is not there to condemn us to hell. Christ is there to tell us, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, why? But Lord, this is so hard. Well, he's going to tell us Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Confession is not about confessing our sins. It's about getting rest in Christ. Yes, in order to do that, we do have to confess our sins. But it's about getting rid of that, getting rid of those roadblocks so that I can have that peace in Christ. Well, folks, I hope that you enjoyed today's show. I hope that you understand that a lot of it, to, for me to get over myself, I need to get my heart to Christ. I need to get to confession. I need to get rid of these sins and then really focus on receiving communion. Thank you, St. Matthew, for your gospel, for these inspirations. And until next week, I say, as always, let's keep it Catholic.